Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. I want you to know, first and foremost, that I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. Although when I was in middle school, I did want to be a psychologist, but the Lord had better plans for me. So as we talk today about mental health, I want you to know that I am not a professional. I am not a professional. I cannot diagnose. I cannot cure. I cannot um, do a lot of the things that professionals do. But that doesn't mean we can't talk about it, right? Because we've talked about money, and I'm not a professional financial consultant. I'm not a banker or a stockbroker changer. But yet, there are principles in the Word of God that can help us and lead us in every area of our life. Amen? So I just wanted to clear that up in case any of you afterwards are like, well, you know, I'm going to go to Pastor Nestor so he can give me some therapy. I, I, I'll pray for you. I'll love you. I'll point you in the direction. But I just want you to know I am not a professional in this area. Not yet. The Lord may take me in that direction, uh, but not yet. So what I want to do today as we begin talking about mental health is to be able to define what mental health is. To be able to have a clear definition what mental health is. And would you fill this out in your outlines? Here's what mental health is. I want to give us a definition so that we are all in agreement and understanding as we talk about mental health. Mental health includes three areas. Your emotional well-being, your psychological well-being, and your social well-being. When we talk about mental health, we are talking about your emotional state of being. We are talking about your psychological, mental state of being or well-being and your social, your relational well-being. So mental health involves these three areas. And when we struggle with a mental illness or when we struggle with mental health needs, it usually happens in these areas. Now, here's what you need to know. Mental health, impacts, I would dare to say, every area of your life. Because the way you think, and it begins up here, right? The way you think affects the way you act, right? I'm sorry, affects the way you feel. And the way you feel affects the way you act. However you think up here is what you feel here that is then what you do. Now, before you say, well, you know, that's some kind of secular thought. No, isn't that what the Word of God tells us? He says that we are to be what? Renewed in our mind. What, right? That we are to be renewed because when our mind, when what we think, how we see things changes, then what we feel and how we feel changes, and then we can change our behavior. I always tell people that if you want to change your behavior, you shouldn't change your behavior. You should change what's, what you think about that behavior. Change up here so that then down here can change and then your actions can change. Look at what 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says. Let me give us a scripture in case some of you are thinking, well, where's the Bible verse, Pastor? Here it is, okay? 
Look at what Paul says. He says, now may the God of peace. And if you and if you have a highlighter or a pencil, I want you to highlight that because we're going to come back to that and we're going to see why that title is so important. But look at what Paul says. He says, now may the God of peace make you holy in what? Just your spiritual life? In every way. Does God care about all of me? Yes. It says, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept what? Blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So here's the first question I think we need to answer. Why talk about mental health at church? Why should we address this topic at church? Well, let me give you two reasons why. I didn't put this in your outline, but you might want to write this down. The first reason that I felt compelled to talk about mental health is because, number one, there are many misconceptions regarding mental health that Christians have. There are many wrong beliefs, wrong views towards mental health that the church has. In fact, I've heard people say the church should not talk about mental health. Because mental health does not exist. We're going to talk about that pretty soon. But the first reason we need to talk about it is because, it's because there's a lot of misconceptions. And I'll tell you how usually these misconceptions come. There are people that believe that when you come to Jesus, Jesus automatically fixes everything in your life. So if you're saved, you shouldn't have any mental health issues because Jesus has fixed everything in your life. Right? After all, Jesus forgives us, redeems us, fills us with the Holy Spirit, sanctifies us, and he works all things for our good. So if we're saved, we ought to have everything figured out. Anybody get saved and their hair grew back up? Anybody got saved and suddenly got a six-pack? Anybody got saved and suddenly their debt was canceled? Anybody got saved and suddenly they went from a really sloppy person to a super organized person? Anybody got saved and suddenly your boss or your neighbor or your mother-in-law started acting nice towards you? Right? God can do those things, but they don't happen automatically. So, so to think that just because we come to Jesus, we, we are automatically healed our mind is incomplete. Yes, God does save us. Yes, God does forgive us. Yes, God does transform us. But he does it progressively. He does it over time. Lady, how many of you guys already have the husband that you know God wants you to have? Right? You're like, no, no, God's still working on him. And he's got a lot of work to do. I mean, the guy is saved, but he still can't pick up his underwear. Right? Because as God saves us, the process of sanctification, when we are saved, we are declared holy, but then there's the work of the Holy Spirit that actually begins to make us holy. That's why Paul says, I pray that the Lord will make you holy in every way. Not just in your relationships, not just in your body, not just in your personal life, but also in your mind, also in your mental health. 
So coming to Jesus doesn't mean he automatically right away fixes everything. Some of us, we're saved and we still get sick. We're dealing with, with physical illnesses that although we're saved, God hasn't healed us yet. But we wouldn't say, oh, you're not saved because you're sick. Right? So the first reason we talk, we want to talk about mental health is because there's a lot of misconceptions regarding mental health. But the second one, and I think this is a big one, the second reason is because mental health is not only a great need, but it's also a divine opportunity. Let me tell you what I mean by that. In 2019 and 2020, so this was really before COVID, okay? I couldn't find any numbers regarding after COVID, but before COVID, okay, one in five adults in America experience some form of mental illness. One in five Americans. That was before COVID. That was before we got stuck in the rooms and lost our jobs and lost loved ones and went through all kinds of chaos. Before COVID hit, one in five Americans had some kind of mental illness. That is over 50 million people. And that's not where the bad news stops. The e e even more bad news is that more than half percent of the people, to be specific, 54% of people who have some form of mental illness do not get any kind of help. More than half the people that have some form of mental health need or mental illness do not get any kind of help. Why? Well, there's a lot of reasons why. Number one, we don't have a good mental health system in our nation. Number two, if you've ever tried to ask for help, you know that a psychologist or a psychiatrist is not cheap, right? But third, there's also a big stigma re regarding mental health. Well, if I tell somebody that I'm depressed, then, then they're going to see me differently. If I tell somebody that, that I have anxiety problems or, 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 or that I have these dark thoughts, you know, they're going to put me in a weird hospital. There's a lot of misconceptions. But listen, over 50% of people that have some kind of mental health issue do not get any help. Let me tell you something. If over 50% of people that have cancer didn't get any treatment, we would have stormed the streets already. Now, here's the good news. They discovered, and when I mean day, I mean secular studies, not church studies. Secular studies discover that when people do ask for help, you know where is the number one place they go? Church. Yeah. They go to church or they call a Christian friend. When people are ready to ask for help and they want help, one of the first places they go, one of the first type of people they go after is a Christian. And that's good news. I believe that that is a divine opportunity because I hear a lot of people say, oh, people don't want nothing to do with God. Well, people with mental health issues do. They believe that God, that prayer, that Jesus can make a difference, so they go and they ask for help. That is great news. But you know what the bad news to that is? That most Christians are not prepared, most churches are not prepared to help people with mental health issues. I'm guilty of that. A few years back as a younger pastor, 
when people would tell me, you know, I think I'm struggling with depression, I would tell them, just pray more. Just read the Bible more. And if you're praying and you're reading the Bible and you're still struggling, maybe there's sin in your life. And it, and it was from a place of ignorance that I would say those things. And maybe you say those things. Well, you need to pray more. Well, we're going to talk about that. Does prayer help? Does reading the Word of God help? But see, most of us are not prepared. Most of us don't even know how to address the fact that somebody has some kind of mental illness. So I want to answer three more questions regarding mental health. The first one is just kind of explaining why as a church we're doing this. But now I want to answer three of them because I want to equip you. I want to help you be more prepared to be a blessing to this divine opportunity that God is giving us. Are you ready? Man, number one, here's the first question, and you can fill this out in your outline. Where mental health illnesses present in biblical times. Do we see mental illnesses in the Bible? Is there such a thing as mental health in the Bible? Well, the answer is yes. Yes, there is. Yes. And in fact, I'm going to give you some examples. But second, I'm also going to show you what the, what the people in the Old Testament and the New Testament believed about mental health. But yes, there were people with mental illnesses and mental health needs in the Bible. You know who they were? Not the bad guys, but a lot of the good guys. You know the heroes of the Bible? The great men and women that God used to accomplish his, his great feats? Many of them had some form of mental health needs. Let me give you a few examples. Elijah, remember Elijah, the great prophet? Elijah was so depressed that he wanted to die. The guy went to a river and he went away and God had to feed him through crows because the guy was so depressed after he had this great victory that he cursed the day he, died, he was born. Ever felt like that? What about, what about Jeremiah? Another great prophet, right? Jeremiah is known in theology or in biblical studies as the weeping prophet. You know why they call him the weeping prophet? Because the guy battled loneliness and insecurity. God gave him such a tough job that he was so lonely. And, and a lot of times God asked him to do things and he struggled with loneliness and insecurity. And you may say, well, you know, those are two guys. Well, let me give you a bigger one. What about David? Most of us, we love his songs. The Lord is my shepherd. Oh, my soul. Bless the Lord. But have you noticed that in many of them, if you pay attention, David struggled with this feeling that God had abandoned him. That God was nowhere near to be found. And a lot of times he prays, says, God, where are you? Do not forsake me because my enemies will celebrate the victory. David. David battled with despair, wondering where God was. Can you guess? Let's play a little game. Can you guess what biblical character therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists identify with more mental health issues than any other in the Bible? Can you guess? Professionals, when they read the Bible and, and they look at the characters, who is the one character 
that they identify with the most mental illnesses or mental health issues? You ready? Saul. Saul had all kinds of, I mean, the guy was bipolar. The, the guy struggled with depression. He was schizophrenic. One day he, he almost pinned David to the wall with javelin. Uh, remember, they had to bring David to play music to calm his spirit, right? The, 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 guy, the guy literally bankrupt his kingdom trying to kill David. And when David would defeat, would, would obtain victories for him, he would get jealous. Saul is one of those things. In fact, he, he prophesied one day and he ended up naked, right? Saul. So, so are mental illnesses present in the Bible? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, how come we don't find the word? Well, you won't find mental illness or you won't find mental health in the Bible. Just like you won't find the brain in the Bible, but you believe we have a brain, right? You also don't find the word dinosaurs in the Bible, right? You know what you also don't find in the Bible? The word trinity or incarnation. But yet, there are things that we know that although the exact word is not there, the concept, the truth is there. Why isn't the word dinosaur? Why isn't the word brain? Why isn't the word trinity found in the Bible? Well, because they're fairly new words. They're words that we've created to identify something specific. But we know through the lives of people. And see, that's one of the beautiful things about the word of God, that, that, that it exposes the characters as they are so that God can receive the glory. And David, the man after God's own heart, right? The, what, 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 the David, the man through whom the Messiah would come, was a man who struggled with loneliness and sin and made mistakes and even had a man killed because he slept with his wife. So we won't find the word, but we do find, we do find the concept. Let me give you one example. Let me give you one example. David. In 1 Samuel, in 1 Samuel, David is hiding from the Philistines. He's running from Saul, and he's hiding amongst the Philistines. And he's concerned that if the Philistines find him, they're going to kill him. So you know what David does? Look at what he does in 1 Samuel 21, 13. Look at what he says. He says, so he, referring to David, pretended to be what? Insane. Scratching on doors and drooling down his... Beard. Now, in the Bible, you won't find the word mental illness. But you know what word the Bible uses to refer to those things? Madness and insanity. And David pretended to act insane. He pretended to act mad. He started scratching walls and drooling. So that if the Philistines found him, which they did, they wouldn't kill him. Look, 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 look at verses 14 and 15. Look, look at what it says. Look at how the king of the Philistines responded once they found David. It says, King Achish said to his man, must you bring me a madman? Look at this next verse. We already have enough of them around here. Why should I let someone like this be my guest? You can't fake something people recognize if it doesn't exist. David couldn't fake being crazy if it didn't exist. You can't fake something that people recognize if it's not common. So 
this mental illness is present in the Bible? Absolutely. Now, what were some of the beliefs they had? Well, let me tell you how the people in the Old Testament saw it and then how the people in the New Testament saw it. In the Old Testament, it was considered a divine punishment. Well, let, let me go back. Let me go back a little bit. In the Bible, in the Bible, mental illness was seen as a spiritual issue. Was seen as a spiritual issue. And I know some of you guys are wondering, well, are all, are all mental illness issues demon possessions? That's one of the questions I'm going to ask Melissa next week. So you got to be here. All right? But in the Bible, it's clear that mental health issues are a spiritual issue. Okay? Now, in the Old Testament, they saw madness as a divine punishment. They, if you became insane, if you became mad, it was God who caused it. Now, now, before you go too extreme, in the Old Testament, they also believed that if you got boiled or if you got certain illnesses, they were a divine punishment. But we don't look at somebody with boils or back problems and say, oh, you probably got a demon. Right? So in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, it was considered divine punishment. In the New Testament, with Jesus and the apostles, madness, insanity was considered demonic, was considered possessed by a demon. Now, here's the interesting part. If you take all the examples, um, the Bible also teaches that there's certain illnesses that happen because of sin or, or because of an evil spirit, right? But, but we now know that not, you don't get a cold because, right, a demon is in you, right? But when you look, although there were some examples where Jesus casted out demons from, from individuals and they became well, if you compare all the times that Jesus either healed somebody or expelled a demon from somebody, they are only a fraction of the time from all the times that Jesus healed somebody and it had nothing to do with the demon or uh, uh, a demonic possession. So, so we'll, we're going to look at that. But, but that's the belief that they had in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So first question, was mental illness present in the Bible? Absolutely. Here's the second question because they're telling me I only have 10 minutes. So I don't know why. Um, fill this out in your outline. Should Christians struggle with mental health? Should Christians struggle with mental health? If you're saved, can you be depressed? If you're saved, can you be bipolar? If you're saved, can you have PTSD? Can Christians or should Christians struggle with mental health? Well, sadly and unfortunately, there's still a lot of people that believe that if you're a Christian, you shouldn't. As I was doing research and preparing for this, I read a lot of books, and I'm going to recommend you one in just a minute. I listened to many pastors, and still many pastors, Christians out there that say, if you are depressed, you need to pray more. Because the Bible says that we are to rejoice always. And if you are not rejoicing, then you're doing something wrong. Should Christians, should Christians struggle with mental health? Well, listen to me. Listen to me. If you're a Christian saved, if you're saved, you need God. But you might also need more sleep. 
you, you, you need more of God, but you also might need better friends, a better social group. If you're not in a life group, you're robbing yourself. You're allowing the enemy to rob you. You want me to tell you something? I've noticed that people in life groups in our church have better support around their needs. They do. In fact, I have people, pastor, we're praying for so-and-so because they had an accident. Other people know. But, but, but if you're isolated, you can't expect people to read your mind. If you have a mental health issue, you do need more of God. But you also might need to change your diet. If you have a mental health need, yes, you need more of God. But you also might need therapy. Christians can struggle with mental health issues. And let me tell you something. Struggling with mental health doesn't mean that you're not a good Christian. Can I say that again? If you struggle with some kind of mental health need or illness, it doesn't mean you're not a good Christian. It means you're human. It means you are human. Look at what Luke 2.52 says. It says, Jesus grew. Jesus, the Son of God, God himself. He says, Jesus grew strong in mind and body. He grew in favor with God and men. Jesus grew in four ways. Jesus grew socially. He grew psychologically. He grew uh, uh, spiritually. And he grew biologically. Jesus grew in his body. Jesus grew in his relationship with other people. Jesus grew in, in his mind. He grew in his relationship with God. So let me tell you something. If Jesus, the son of God, had to grow in these four areas, why wouldn't you and I? Why wouldn't you and I need to also grow and improve in these areas? The mental health need is not a mark of poor spirituality. It's a mark that we're human. Listen, when Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered our world. And not only affected our relationship with God, right, spiritual, and not only affected our bodies biologically because uh, uh, death and cancer and all these illnesses were not part of God's original plan. They came when sin came. So not only did it affect us spiritually in our relationship with God, sin, not only did it affect us uh, physically in our bodies, but it also affected us in our relationships, right? It affected us socially. Sin is the reason why uh, marriages struggle, why families can't get along. But so if sin affected us spiritually, if sin affected us socially, and if sin affected us physically, why wouldn't sin have also have affected us mentally? Why wouldn't sin also have affected the way we think, the way we see things, the way we feel, what happens on in our brains? Of course it did. Christians do struggle with mental health. And let me tell you something. I am 100% sure that if I died today, that the moment I took my last breath, I would be in the presence of God. And I tell you that because I also need to tell you that I struggle with depression. In 2019, I had my worst episode yet. And I didn't tell anybody because one of my beliefs was, well, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to have it all figured out, right? How am I supposed to encourage other people when they know that I can't even get out of bed? 
And I struggled. I had a lot of suicidal ideations. I never attempted to take my life. But, but the, the, those thoughts were there. There was a lot of darkness that, that was over me. I remember I would come to church and listen to me. I love what I get to do for a living. I love it. I, I wouldn't trade this for anything else. But I remember I would sit in the back parking lot for an hour crying, praying to God. God, would you give me the strength and desire to, to do what you have called me to do? And you want to know something? I was faithful to my devotionals. In fact, I prayed more than ever. I read the word of God from cover to cover. I was active in serving. I was active in loving people. But there was something going on in my mind that needed to be addressed. And it was a wonderful, a, a wonderful psychologist, a woman of God that God used to not only help me understand how I was thinking and feeling, but also she reminded me of how wonderful and great God is. And I'll tell you something, it was very expensive to get help. But you want to know something? I, I'm glad I did it. Because those $1,000 that I spent are worth, my life is worth more than that. Being present for my kids is worth more than that. Being faithful to continuing to serve the Lord in the calling that he's giving me is worth more than $1,000. So can Christians struggle with mental health? Yes. Because sin has affected every, every sphere of our being. Not just spiritually, not just biologically, not just socially, but also mentally. Here's the third question, and I think it's the most important question. What difference does Jesus make to my mental health? All right, so if as Christians we can still struggle with depression, anxiety, PTSD, then, then what good is, is it to have Jesus? What difference? Does it make? Well, listen to me. Listen to me. If you're here or you're online, here's the biggest thing I want you to know. The hope that we have in Jesus transcends all circumstances. The hope that we have in Jesus is greater than whatever mental illness you are battling. Let me explain a little bit further. When God, when you hurt, God cares. You think I only care about my kids' spiritual life? No. I also care about their academic life. I care about when one of your kids beats up one of my kids. Or one of my kids beats up one of your kids. I care about my kids in all the areas. Right? And listen, if I'm not a great father, and he is, don't you think he cares about all the areas of your life? God cares. And he cares not just about your spirit and your body and your relationships. He cares about your mind. Let's go back to that verse we read at the beginning and look at what it says. It says, now may the God of peace make you holy in what? In every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ. Until when? Until Christ, what? Comes again. See, Paul tells us that he believes that God can make holy not just our spirit, not just our bodies, not just our relationships, but also our mind. Paul believes that God is able to make holy, to transform, to, to make a difference, not just in our social life, not just in our spiritual walk with him, 
not just in our physical bodies, but also in our mental life. And not only that, but, but he says, my prayer is that God would do this until he comes back or until we go meet him in heaven. In other words, this is not just something temporary. This is something that's got to be what? Keep going on. We're never going to be fully holy here. We are declared holy when we come to Christ, but we're never going to be fully holy. But we are to be going from what? From glory to glory to glory. When are we going to be fully holy? When we're in heaven. When we're in heaven, you're not going to be tempted anymore. When you're in heaven, you're not going to be envious anymore. When you're in heaven, you're not going to complain and gossip anymore. Because we're going to be transformed. But until then, Paul says, I believe that God is able to help you and walk with you and take you in all these areas. Now, here's the second thing. And here's where I answer the question. You notice the title Paul uses in this verse to refer to God? He calls him the God of peace. Let me tell you something. No matter what your mental health need is or your mental illness is, peace is something you can't do without. Peace makes all the difference. If, if you struggle with anxiety, peace would change everything. If you're struggling with depression, peace, peace just, just night and day. If you have PTSD, peace changes everything. People with bipolar disorders, peace. They, what they lack is, is peace, right? And see, what God offers us is peace. It's peace. Look at what Isaiah 26.3 says. Look at this. Isaiah referring to God, he says, you will keep in what? Perfect peace. All who what? Trust in you. All whose thoughts are what? Fixed on you. Perfect peace. Not occasional peace. Not momentarily peace. Not circumstantial peace. But what? Perfect peace. See, the difference that Jesus makes is that he offers us the peace that we desperately need. Now, who is it that he gives this peace to? Because he doesn't give it to everybody. Everybody has access to it, but not everybody enjoys it. Why? Because this peace is given to those who fix their thoughts on him. Those whose eyes, whose mind, whose heart are after him. Not after Fox News or CNN News or the stock market or the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the pastor. No, 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 no. Who gets to enjoy this perfect peace? Those whose thoughts are perfectly on him. What difference does Jesus make? He transcends all circumstances. Look at what Jesus said in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world, what? Gives. Jesus promises to give what? His peace. I want to challenge you something. Read the Gospels and just look at Jesus' composure throughout the Gospels. Jesus was never in a hurry. Jesus was never worried. Jesus was never losing his mind. Jesus had this peace about him that he was in control all the time. And he says, that peace that was in me, that's what I want to give to you. And he says, and the way and the peace that I give you is not like the peace the world gives you. Because the world can't give it to you. I hate to burst your bubble. 
but the peace is not going to come from the race. The peace is not going to come from finding your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife. Your peace is not going to come from your kids behaving well. The peace that you desperately need is the peace that can only come from God. Now, check this out. You know when God said, when Jesus said this? You know when he offered this peace? You know when he gave this peace? Right before he was taken to the cross. If you knew you were going to die tomorrow, would you have peace today? But Jesus, Jesus not only had peace, he was giving it away. I think that's where Ophra got that idea. Right? And listen, the peace that Jesus ha- offers us is peace even when you lose your job. It's peace even when you don't feel well. It's peace even when your child is rebellious. It's peace even when money is tight. You know why? Because the peace that God gives us is not the absence of, of problems. This is powerful. Don't miss this. The peace that he offers us is not the absence of problems, but it's the presence of his, of his, it's his presence in our lives. That's what makes the difference. That's the difference that Jesus makes. See, when I was going with my therapist, I had to learn to see God in a new way because I had formed these mental patterns in my life that were very dependent on the circumstances around me. And one of those things that shaped and triggered that was my dad's deportation from us. And I had to learn to see God in in a new way. And she helped me through God's word to see this peace, to see this God that is still holding me in his arms in, in spite of the fact that my dad is not with us. So that's the difference that Jesus makes to our mental health. So let me wrap it up with this. If you want to heal, you got to get real. Let me say that again. If you want to heal, you got to get real. You got to get past your shame, your fears, your concerns. And you got to get healed. Let me tell you something. It's worth it. It's difficult, but it's worth it. I mean, God wants to heal. He wants to offer you a peace. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations, if you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.